This is Catalog and Cocktails, presented by Data.World. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to Catalog and Cocktails, presented by Data.World. We're coming to you live from Austin, Texas, Data.World HQ. It's an honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with tasty beverage in hand. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd and product guy at Data.World, joined by Juan. Hey, Tim. I'm Juan Cicada, principal scientist here at Data.World, and Wednesday, middle of the week, end of the day, and it's time to chat about data. And Mm -hmm. today, we're going to chat about a topic that we really haven't touched. And its I'll be very honest, it doesn't sound that exciting, but once you get into it, there is there's excitement in this one and mm-hmm. this is policy data policy and with that i'm excited to have nong lee who's the co-founder or cto uh, of okara to be uh, to join us here today to chat about data policy nong how are you doing welcome I'm good it's great to be here awesome well actually uh ceo is what i let me correct that right so founder and ceo so let's uh, kick this off with hey what are we drinking and what are we toasting for today nong kick us off well, cheers. Congratulations to you guys on, on your news and, and funding announcement. What an exciting time to be in data right now. So Thank you. Yes, data is a good place to be. Absolutely. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So what 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 are you up to, what are you drinking? I'm having a beer. All right. Good old fashioned beer. Tim. Well, I'll 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 cheers to I'll I'll cheers also to fundraising news. Also, we made a big product announcement. I hate being salesy on this podcast. I try not to be salesy, so I'm going to shut up now and make no more comments about Data.World. But cheers to that. And uh, I am actually drinking a uh, Alpine High. It is a um, gin, blood orange, lemon, Grand Classico, like an orange bitter, and then a club soda combination. Pretty tasty. Yeah. So I'm having uh, tamarindo vodka with passion fruit syrup. I put some bitters in it and the splash of passion fruit sparkling water. And those of you who've listened and I put a lot of passion fruit and stuff. I just bought a lot of passion fruit syrup. Trying like, to use it that it syrup, huh? But it works great. It's great. Anyway, so that's what I had to put a name to it. And and yeah, I'm, I'm cheering. We did a we yeah, Data World announced um, Series C, $50 million by Goldman Sachs. So yeah, we're all super excited. So yes, I'm going to cheers to that. And and Cheers to the data world because it's super exciting right now. So yeah, cheers, cheers. to data. Thanks for coming on, Nong. Happy to. Uh, All right, so we got you guys are fancy. Well, actually, yeah. for those who can see us, like this was not planned, but Tim and I are are twinning today. We got our yeah. our spirit T-shirt, which is the the um, the phrase that one of our past guests, like uh, Partha Partha Sinivasan from Verisk. From Verisk, right? This was we were talking about um, security, right? Spirit, what is it? So security, security, privacy, inclusivity, reliability, impartiality, and transparency. Nice. All the best principles around good data governance. Yeah, love it. All right. So we got our funny warm-up question today, which is, so what are the lyrics in the 1990 Depeche Mode song, Policy of Truth is, never again is what you swore the time before. So what's something you swore you'd never do again? But did it anyway. <laughs> oh, I feel like there's there's a bunch of these. Um, <laughs> I guess related to to maybe work is never change my mind about renaming something after I've let it go. I. <laughs> <laughs> I 
as a okay. product manager, I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, many year debt to, to come back from. <laughs> oh, how about you, Tim? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll make a funny one for this one. It'll be themed with our whole cocktails thing. It's never have a hangover again. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow. Oh, man, I was thinking something about that. It was like, like, think about relationships or things that I've done in the past or just like some drinking and parties like, no, never again. And of course, you do that stuff again. So, yeah. <laughs> but oh, well, we, 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 I guess we learn, right? We get older and wiser and we learn hopefully a better past. You try, us. you try, we try, we try, but all right, well, let's kick it off with our honest, no BS discussion. So uh, as I was, I kicked it off, honest, no BS data policy sounds kind of like a boring topic, but it's something we need. So how does data policy actually help us to be productive? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, when we think about data policy there, it's really about how do I make it as easy as possible for people who need access to data to be able to get it in the most streamlined way, right? So that's that's how we think about policy and, and what's required there. I mean, I think you see many analogies in this and we make those policies to streamline it, right? To make it uh, more productive. I think it has aspects of uh, sort of coordination and just knowing what you need to do, right? You're not searching around Wikipedia or, or you know, Jira or um, asking people what you need to do. You have a way to do it. So obviously that's good. We, we like those kind of things. And then it obviously has that aspect of security and sort of the analogy that, you know, I and others use would be seatbelts that you drive faster, right? It's not, it actually lets you go speed up and then do some of the other things. And, um, and I think that's very much apt here, right? I think our point of view is that, you know, the average data user, data citizen wants to be responsible, right? They have good intentions. They're trying to do the right thing and the policies and, and those kind of things help them get there faster and easier. So yeah. this is this yeah. is aligned with the phrase that we say a lot here and, and, and credit always to was it Mark Kitson, right? The, why do we have brakes for a car, right? Is it to slow us down to make sure we slow down, or is it for us to help us drive fast safely? And we use this for data governance, but I think it applies also the that that the the, the break there is that sort of the policy. I mean, I guess policy here is part of governance, and then this is all this stuff goes together in a way, right? Mm -hmm. But I like how you said it very crisp and succinctly. Just get access to data quickly and in a compliant manner. Right, right. And I would say if you don't have policies set up. I mean, look, every large organization does to some extent, right? There is a people process aspect of this. They have it in some way. Now, if you don't solve this as much in technology or you solve it too much in, you know, people in process, that slows you down, right? That's not good for, for efficiency. Um, so all these things kind of all tie together. Yeah, that makes sense. I, you know, po people think about policies sometimes um, as things that slow you down, right? Like policy and process are sometimes the, the like they're like swear words, the P words, right? Um, and, uh, but, but it's clear that when you do it right and you do the right process and the right policy at the right time, it can, it can make things go faster. It can make things be safer, as you're saying. Um, you know, do, do you find that um, a lot of companies that, you know, appreciate policy that are, 
larger companies? It seems like that the answer to that is probably yes. And do, what about some of the smaller companies, the modern data stack companies, the you know people who are you know more at the mid market? Are are they appreciating policy as well? Like, well, how do you see about the appreciation and the investment in policies based on these different kind of companies? Yeah. So obviously we're, we're a startup and, you know, we see us adding more and more policies to speed up on things like, you know, expenses and hiring process and all those kind of things. So I think you do get to a size, but it's pretty small where you really see the efficiency gains of policies, right? They let everybody be on the same page much faster, right? If you're really, really small and I'm talking about like 20 people, perhaps this is not useful for you, but you don't need to be the mega, you know, fortune 20 company uh, where, where this manifests. Now, the pain points do look a little bit different, right? So in our experience, the very large organizations have solved this problem somehow, right? They have approval processes. They have some policy already for, you know, overwhelmingly true. Um, but what they're struggling with is uh, going through that cycle is really, really time consuming, right? So we hear stories all the time that's, uh, you know, I work in a regulated industry. I want to train my machine learning models. I need access to more data in the organization, right? We hear that all the time. And the current process or policy is, you know, I got to go find the right person to give me approval. And then, you know, she puts it on her sprint. And then, uh, you know, six weeks later, I've got this, but it's too late. And it's not the data I'm looking for. So I got to go repeat the cycle, right? Mm -hmm. So that story we hear all the time. And of course, sort of getting the policies right and automated speeds that up on Companies that are more, you know, smaller, um, mid-market or, or so on, for them, it's, um, you know, they, they haven't or don't really want to spend the time on a lot of these kind of things, right? They're focused on growing their business, building the things that are unique to them, and then they just want, want something that can really help them get moving fast. That makes sense. So value at all levels, it's just some of the motivations and the problems that they're facing may, may have a slightly different form. Yeah, I would also add that, you know, you brought up modern data stack. It, it's just like incredible to me how much that's changed in the last decade, right? We have the cloud, SaaS infrastructure, all these kind of things. It's really changed the landscape. And I think that makes getting this part right, sort of this last mile data access, correct, way more important, right? I remember when I started not that long ago in, in the data industry, it's like, okay, step one for building a new data use case provision, buy more machines in the data center, right? That was kind of step one. And that takes a long time. So then if you're spending a little bit more time on the access part, it's okay. But today you got that infrastructure running in five minutes. We got it. This is the bottleneck and we got to solve for it. So I, I, I want to, I want to get into, I think Tim said earlier, kind of, or the right policy, what does the right or correct policy mean? and to whom, right? Because I don't think there's the different processes, different type of personas. And, and, and I don't think there's like established policies that are across the board for any type of company, any type of industry, any type of size. Like, so how, again, very broad here, what does a right policy mean? And, and, and who are the, the actors, consumers around this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're seeing certainly a lot of activity in the public on what we need to think about for you know, data privacy and data security. Right, GDPR wasn't on the radar five years ago. Now it feels like you know there's eight more iterations of it uh, emerging all across the world. And I think consumers like you and I or my parents are increasingly more aware of these kind of kind of privacy kind of things. So, but I would say you know in terms of right policy, it is a business 
decision, right? The company decides what is their uh, stance on these kind of things. And, and obviously some of that is, you know, legal and compliance, and, but some of that is, you know, how do I be a responsible data citizen in the world? What is my brand and how do I think about this, right? I mean, we know, for example, um, right, Apple, like very well known for their privacy controls on the iPhone, right? Probably above and beyond what is required and that's part of their brand and, and so on and so forth. So it does vary, obviously, if you're in regulated verticals, it's more prescriptive in terms of how you have to handle financial data or health data, so on and so forth. But I would say the key, uh, and this is what we tell our, our customers all the time, is you have to assume the right policy for you will evolve in the next few years, right? Because it is a business decision, it is strategy, taking into account all of the different things. So you need a design that lets you adapt. Right, you got to be able to sort of turn that knob or you know flip the switches uh, as you see fit. So your way of solving this needs to be dynamic, right? So, so this is an interesting point that you're making is that you want to kind of that you want to design kind of your data ecosystem infrastructure with the policies in mind that can be adaptive. Um, in the past conversations with what was it with Patricia Thane, we were talking about privacy, and she was saying. You want to have privacy first mentality, right? You've got to design with privacy first. So this begs the question, should we also be designing with po with policies from the beginning? Yeah, I, I think doing it early is, is a good idea, right? And early, your policies can be very simple, right? They don't have to be over-engineered solving for a problem you don't have. But having that foundation and infrastructure there uh, is is going to help you. And again, if I sort of draw this analogy to others in in how companies are run, right? Different things that manage, um, you know, uh, HR or or you know, very different systems. Getting that foundation in really lets you um, sort of be in a better spot when as, as you mature or you know you're thinking about this problem matures and and those kind of things. Yeah. In terms of of privacy first, I think. You know, we, we hear a lot of similar terms, right? Privacy first, perimeter is dead, zero trust, uh, you know, secure by design. Like I think all of those are, are very similar themes and it's about let's get our fundamentals right so we can control the, the knob of what we want to do and then we can adapt it as, as we go and learn. Now, that's interesting. You know, this brings up a question in my mind around um, the different kinds of policies that, that uh, companies are investing in and focused on. Um, and just to name two examples, and then I'll kind of, I'm, I'm kind of curious on your thoughts, Nong, on what you think are the most important ones you see a lot of the attention being placed on. Like one example is access policy. Like, are you, are you allowed to have access to something? Should you not have access to it? Under what circumstances should you have access to it? Um, another kind of policy, but maybe a little different, I'm curious how you think about it, is like, uh, like data contracts, for example, like, you know, is, is, you know, should a phone number always look a certain way? Like it, it's kind of a policy. It's got, it's a data policy, right? Maybe, but maybe people don't think of it as a policy per se. They think of it as more like a standard or a constraint or something like that. And, you know, we've been, we've been thinking uh, a lot on our side on like data products, for example, and data products probably have to have certain policies and constraints about them. We've even, come up with like a, we call it the data product ABCs framework where it's like accountability, boundaries, constraints, um, uh, downstream consumers and explicit knowledge as like, hey, maybe these are different ways to look at data products um, and policy is maybe a part of that. 
So uh, I'll turn it over to you. Like, how do you think about data policies? What what are the most important kinds of data policies and how does that, how does that play together for, for different priorities? Yeah, for sure. We're, we're definitely focused, you know, our company on the access policies, right? Meaning, you know, you have your data in some, some place and your different consumers need to, to see it with varying degrees of privacy concerns or legal concerns or just general sort of good hygiene and being able to do that sort of dynamically and flexibly and easy to express is very, you know, that that's our focus and, and certainly where, where we participate. Um, but I think if we zoomed out to, you know, contracts in this case, um, I think all of those things make sense, right? I think if we, if we really zoomed out, it's, you know, if I, if I think about the data world, right, we've sort of maybe blown up the vertical silo, right? That sort of vertically integrated everything stack where all the pieces kind of work together because it was one thing into this really diverse and, and vibrant ecosystem with all kinds of, you know, tools that do ingest, tools that do cataloging, tools um, like we do. And that has a lot of benefit, but it means things get lost at the boundaries, right? Like the ETL step and things that bring in data may not be linked with the catalog, may not be linked with access policies. And, yeah, and I heard a very smart person the other day say that uh, accidents happen at intersections. Yeah, exactly. And I think, again, if we think about policy in the context of um, uh, sort of being able to work effectively without having to be in lockstep and in constant sort of waiting for one another, that's where you can apply those at all these boundaries. So I think of data contract very much that way, right? Here, I'm a consumer. I expect this. When you give me data, do this for me. I like how you said the word boundaries here. And, and, and it goes back to kind of the, one of the things I bring up all the time with now all the modern data stack and so many tools and everything is there's so many tools out there right now. And every single sliver of the whole data space is getting a smaller sliver in its own category, which means that each sliver is having their own inputs and outputs, their own boundaries. How are we going to manage policies and contracts across all those things. I mean, I mean, think of I, I, this, is, this is kind of been the latest rant I've been having with people. It's like you just want a number to show up on a screen, and you need to go buy five, six different tools to that. But now it needs to be seven because I need to have a policy management system or whatever to know that the policies are going across. So it's that that number that you are seeing the screen is one. I know it's a number you can see, and it's the right number. Blah, blah, blah. I mean. So I always say we got to go buy five things, but now we're talking about policy. Now I had to go buy a sixth thing or what? Yeah, I I think that oh, is you're a, saying yes, we do have to go buy a sixth thing again. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so I think there's real value in having, right? I mean, the downside is obvious, right? Getting all them to work and cost and, and whatever. But the value is there too, because you're using, you're using kind of best of breed tools. I mean, so that observation is sort of how we started the company. Right, we were seeing that you were going to have all these tools, you know, things like security and and policy management cut across all of them. So we've got to go go make it work. I think where um, we're going to struggle is if it's not clear, say six, seven, eight tools, which one is responsible for which pieces. Right, that that gives you the illusion of agility, but actually is the opposite. And I think if you get the fundamentals, you're going too fast then. Right. Yeah, yeah. So at the company, we talk a lot about slow down to speed up. Uh, but um, yeah, exactly. So, and I think that that's the world we've been in, right? If everybody is trying to 
sort of solve some of these common problems, but do it, you know, 10% is not their focus, then, then it, it can be quite challenging to, to get all the pieces together. I, I this is this is some of the stuff that keeps me up at night. It's like there's the, the, I, we kind of we need we, effectively we need all these uh, capability these features right. But I think by 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 making this we're making things so complicated. And and at the end of the day, like something has to flow from the start to the end, and you have to go manage these things. So I mean, we need all this stuff that we're talking about. Every all these components of the modern data stack and everything. But then when you start thinking about it as kind of from the policy perspective, like very clear reasons, right? You need it, right? For compliance, right? For regulatory purposes and, and, and so forth. Like you need, that's, they're being mandated to kind of have these things from the government, whatever. It's just making and, that- And you gotta do it in a comprehensive way, right? Yeah. It's gotta cut across. And I, I think that's what's interesting about this sprawl that it, of, of tooling, especially in this, you know, call it the control plane or the metadata plane, or maybe it's both of those things like, there, yes, there's a lot of tools there, but like policy, for example, you need it to be cross-cutting. It has to be across the tools. And you want to be able to say, hey, GDPR for us means this. Like, this is how we're addressing it, right? But now you have to implement it in Snowflake and you need to implement it here. And, you know, you need to implement it like that over there. What about your BI tool? What about your ETL tool? So, I mean, it's it's like... It's like we almost don't have a choice, right? <laughs> so let's try to break this down. Let's try to break this down into like what I'm calling types of policy. What I'm what I'm considering is types of policies in a way, kind of this spectrum of like really let's quote quote unquote simple policies to like very expressive, complicated policies. Like, how would we know that what 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 would be considered a quote unquote simple policy versus a very complicated? And how do you get more expressive in that spectrum? Yeah, so we think about this this quite a bit, and I'm sure everybody who's worked in something like this understands the sort of exponential complexity of policy management. Like if you have twice as many policies, it is way more than twice as hard to, to manage because of their interaction and, and so on. So being able to express that entire spectrum um, simply is critical. And if I look at really any organization, they're gonna have a blend of those, right? Not every data set they have needs the most crazy complicated version, uh, and but some some will. So if I think about that spectrum, what we've seen work is um, the policies you create can't scale proportional to the data you have. If you have a thousand data sets, you can't have a thousand policies. If you have a hundred thousand data sets, you can't have a hundred thousand policies. It's gotta be uh, sort of done at a, at a different level. Um, the simplest policy we see that is super effective is I, as the data owner, data steward of this data set, can flag this for public access, right? I say everybody in, in the company should be able to look at this, no problem. This is the simplest thing, and it gives you that, that comfort, right? It is kind of privacy by design, as you still opt into it, uh, but goes a really, really long way. So that's like the most, most basic and simple and highly effective. Then we might go into something that says, you know, data that has uh, customer identifying information like email address or phone number or things that we really don't want to just be out in the open. Let's go anonymize that, right? Let's go hash it or tokenize it or, or do some transformation on it. And I can do that broadly, right? It doesn't matter if it's in Snowflake or S3 or, or where, where have you. Uh, let's be able to do that. So that's kind of probably the core uh, when people think about privacy. And then you can go on to really advance, you know, either statistical techniques like 
you know, differential privacy or stuff like that. Or uh, what we see is um, sort of marrying data sets live and producing the result um, based on that. So for example, I might go to a, a website I use and say, I don't want to use you to use my data for marketing, but you can for customer support, right? Something like that. So there's kind of this lookup mechanism uh, that you need to be able to really control what, what's going on. So that's kind of a survey of the spectrum that we see. Um, and again, large organization is going to use a blend of those techniques because that, that makes sense. Yeah, let, let, let me repeat this here. So this is, I wanted to get into this very specific. So a simple, easy way to go start is like you're marking, just mark this data if it's publicly uh, accessible, anybody can use it or not, right? Private, 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 public, right? It can be just like a tag or something like that. It's a simple thing. And then you can start getting more, more advanced and saying, hey, we actually need to go look inside of the data and maybe anonymize PI data, right? Maybe we need to go eliminate the names or mask email or something like that. And then from there, you can start getting into more types of advanced things like all the way to differential privacy, all the way to like how the data can be used for particular domains. So it can use for can be used for customer support, but can use for marketing, which has a, that has an implication there on not just marking or tagging the data or the data set, but actually how it's being used. I mean, to the point that you can't join this table with this other table, or if you do, then these rows of these people can't show up in the results of those joins because they haven't opted in for the marketing use case, but. So forth. So that's, that's when we start getting into advanced things. Correct. So I'm curious then on how do we how do we start seeing the implementations of this? Because a lot of people that I talk to, like the I, I mean, they're just sometimes even just documenting this, like writing it down in English somewhere, right? But I, eventually you want this to be exec executable, right? This should all be in code and stuff. What, what is that? What is that process and how, how do people kind of jump into that process? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so we certainly see a lot who, who documented and, and so on. I mean, our, our point of view here for, for how we approach the problem is it's got to be executable. This is not an intent of the policy. This is actually what's going to run live uh, when people are querying for, for data. And I think that um, that's really important uh, from how we, we think about, about solving the problem. Um, yeah, in terms of, of how to get started, I mean, I think there's a key aspect on, on how to think about this, which is you need to split up the concerns on how to do, how to solve this problem across the different functions in, in the company. So, you know, the person who is an expert on policies, i.e., this is what we need to do to anonymize customer data or, you know, be complying with data sovereignty rules needs to be able to do this without knowing the details of the data and without certainly being an IT or DB admin or, or something like that. This person needs to be able to do her job uh, well that way. Somebody who is the um, expert on what's in the data, right? You are the product owner, you are the um, uh, you know data ad, you, like, this is your data, you understand what's in it, needs to tag that data appropriately and, and classify it and, and so on and, and so forth. And then obviously some amount of support from, from sort of DBA style IT uh, kind, kind of folks. So I think if you think about it that way, then you can get started sort of, you know, piecemeal, right? Like crawl, walk, run. Here's a sort of high level corporate policy we want to set up and we want to go start applying it for, for this function for, for whatever reason. 
uh, and that's that's how you can you can sort of get started and develop that muscle um, in your organization. How do you approach that in like an iterative an iterative collaborative way? Like, do you, do you see that you know IT people and governance people and maybe leadership actually are forming sprints around their policy by which to like roll out one policy at a time and see how it does and backtrack if it was the wrong thing. And, you know, how, how do you see like an iterative pro- process evolving from, from policy? Yeah, it, it's definitely uh, iterative. I would say for us, um, a lot of the implementation part, um, sort of like getting it coded into the system uh, is done by IT and they do it on their sprints and, and so on. And then their immediate customers are the internal data users, right? So we're going to go set something up and prove that, you know, it doesn't impact performance. It doesn't impact usability, um, all of those kind of things to essentially put in policy without taking a step back, right? That's kind of the first, first milestone or some, some significant use case is being solved uh, this way and, and maybe proving how much simpler it is. And then from there, it kind of goes in two tracks, right? So on those data sets, once it's set up, user onboarding, right? Getting more users, doing more things on that data that's now protected is easier and, and that off it goes. And then we we look at um, implementation on sort of adjacent, you know, data stores, data sets, use cases, departments, uh, what, what have you. That makes sense. That makes sense. And you know, I guess so we're hitting a little bit on personas and some of the different people and how they interact with each other. Do, do, do you see sort of a clear key stakeholder that is like driving the, you know, particularly tools like O'Care and that kind of thing, sort of the investment decision, like, you know what, we need, we need to orchestrate or automate our policy more. Is it coming more from the governance side? Is it like IT has been given some sort of a mandate and now they're kind of starting to jump in and be like, oh, I guess we better find a tool, right? Like, I guess, how do, how do you see that coming together? How do you see it coming together? Yeah, absolutely. So for us, it is it is quite a bit like the IT has a mandate and, and it's got to solve this, right? I think more and more people we feel subscribe to the the idea that uh, being able to do this is going to be a requirement for, for the modern stack, right? They're trying to build something new in, in the cloud or, or wherever. And they know this is a fundamental building block the way you know other other kind of things in there are are a fundamental uh, building block so this this is driven um by product teams by uh sort of CISO, security governance um all all those kind of things um and then yeah you're in i you know it making um technology decisions and and you want you want it as easy as, as possible so one of the things that we talk here a lot about, and 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 this is kind of coming from the the data mesh, which we'll have our mesh minute later. Um, the whole balance between centralization and decentralization, and I think policies are one of those things that you you can imagine that they are going to be at, at the central point, right? The central is some central team or center of excellence, whatever needs to go to find policies and all the distributed nodes and the mesh or whatever needs to go apply them. How do you see this? How do you see the balance between centralization and decentralization when it comes to policies? What is centralized? What is decentralized? Could you have a fully decentralized model with policies or, or, or people extend them and so forth? Love to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's real value in having a balance between those those two. Um, uh, and I think it's really important.
for scalability and all these kind of things, that the distinction is, is clear. I, I think those, those are kind of the, the fundamentals. I would say things that need to be centralized is choice and tooling and um, the decisions that are truly about policy authoring at sort of the corporate level, right? So for example, you your company has a stance on how you want to think about GDPR, that should be centralized. Not every line of business, you know, and there are exceptions, but in general should be thinking about that. So sort of the, the authoring of the rule, if you will, uh, should be centralized in a lot of cases. And then, you know, specific departments can customize as needed, but I would say, you know, sort of 90% central and, um, and 10% um, uh, sort of pushed down. But authoring the rule is only one part of the puzzle, right? Because the rule needs to be generic in the sense of this is how I want to treat customer data, or this is how I want to treat um, uh, sort of data we purchase from third party, that kind of thing. But it can't be their responsibility to then track down every data set and sort of be the arbiter of what's in here and what's not and, and so on and, and so forth. So that's that part is is interesting, right? The policy authoring again, centralized, but it needs a, a framework in terms of metadata and, and things like that, that's gotta be owned by um, sort of the, the people closer to the, the data and work. All right, so so let me get, let's dive into this more because this is really interesting. So we, we need this, there are stances that, the, that a company or organization will have, and this is their, their decision that they've made. This is how we're gonna treat GDPR. This is how we're gonna treat X, Y, Z. We established that um, from a central point of view, and this is, this could be first, I mean, to be get very specific, right? This could be done in writing, in English, natural language and stuff. Now, we want to have this, we want to formalize this in code somehow. So that's where I'm kind of confused. Like this, this formalization or call it what, this implementation of this policy, is that done some, some, some part in central or is that all then being pushed down to the decentralized domains or every department company? Yeah, so our point of view is it's not done in English. It's done in code even there, okay. but it's not specific to the data. So I think the closest, um, you know, I mean, I, I'm a data nerd, so SQL almost reads like English to me, but I think that's what we mean by done as code, right? This is okay. declarative for sure. Uh, it is higher level and it shouldn't be so ambiguous like if it was just prose, right? And it should be something that somebody sort of in that central function can modify, meaning like, you know, we want to change how we treat email from hash to tokenizer or something like that. And it's it's specific that way. So that's the authoring of the rule, again, not as pros and intent, but really something that no ambiguity anybody can go execute. Now, if we go to the specifics, what that rule might look like is, you know, data that is tagged as uh, US means that if you're working in a cost center that's in the US, you can see it, right? So if you sort of look at our product, like it reads almost like that, right? It's not English, but it, if you read it, it kind of reads like that. That's the kind of stuff we want to centralize. And then again, it's up to the individual teams and data owners to say, look, this data sovereignty is X, Y, Z, right? Sort of that catalog. So I love this movement and focus lately that I feel like our industry, but perhaps even the broader 
technology community has been gravitating towards around like things as code, right? And, you know, infrastructure as code, DBT is your transformations as code, right? Like we're talking about policy as code here. Um, I think for some things, it's actually a little hard for people to even wrap their head around, right? Like policies as code, they're like, oh, I guess that makes sense. But like, you know, so much of policy is, is prose, right? It's, you know, usually you like, what's our data policy? Well, read this 45 page document <laughs> written okay. by our legal team with a few other consultants, right? Um, so how, how, how can companies change their minds about that? Like, how, how do you go from thinking about policy as pros to policy as code? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a technology innovation, right? I, I think when the technology doesn't have the right building blocks, it is too far removed from the business. It, it's, it's sort of, it's not providing the right abstraction, separation of concerns that makes this practical. Right. So if I say, oh, if you're you're a, a you know legal expert, you've got some technologies technologies to support, or or you understand technology, um, you know, can you turn that prose into like every single grant in your MySQL database? It's like no, that gap is doesn't make sense for for somebody to be able to do. But if you sort of up level the abstraction in terms of the implementation, in terms of the code. Um, then you're sort of better able to, to meet in the middle. Uh, I think for, for folks like me and, and sort of people think about the data stack is, yeah, how do, we, how do we bridge that gap, right? That's kind of our responsibility. How do we make it so that the technology is closer to the business user so that they can uh, be productive and like, it maps more to their, their language uh, and their workflows and, and so on? I think that's, that, that's sort of our, our challenge. This is really interesting because the, the, the I, I see this gap. I mean, the, the of people thinking about what, what I mean, what Tim was kind of asking is how do we get there to the code part? And I can see like with, with my academic hat on and, 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 all, and, and kind of, I met so many people working on this on policies and semantics. And I'm, and I'll be honest, I looked and it's like, ugh, like it's kind of boring or what, but now I'm realizing like, this is, this is this is the stuff that we really need to be able to go integrate data and integrate data and knowledge. So, one thing is, oh, these two things are the same, but then it's like, well, hey, the world doesn't just work on go consume this data. Like, there's a there's so much other stuff around that that we have to make sure how we can go consume that data. And I want to tie this to the the whole other conversation we always have here on semantic layers, knowledge layers, and all that stuff. Like in an ideal world. You have this semantic layer that describes your organization, and then you are able to go describe these policies in terms of that semantic knowledge layer. I mean, it's it's just like if you were to do like almost a query to find that right there. Like only people can. I mean, I always do this. Like you, you think about that your 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 not your organization, the knowledge of your organization in terms of a graph, an ontology, and stuff. You draw this out as bubbles and lines, and then you can literally draw like another big bubble around this. <laughs> hey, everything around this thing can only be seen by groups A, and groups A include these other people. Like that's how we want to be able to go define things right now. But that's the ideal scenario. But I, I think we're starting to realize that now with the conversations about more of the semantic layers, as you said, Tim, like thinking more as all these things as code. I mean, now we're heading into that right direction. And, and for me, it's really important to start thinking about uh, having all this computable declarative. And you said it too, Nong, like we need to have declarative languages for this. Part of me thinks is like we have 
we when we think about declarative languages, we immediately think about SQL, and you have like some JSON YAML, which is really just a syntax of stuff. And then I think there's this big jump, and then you just go write things in Python, or whatever. And then, and then that's when shit, shit gets really scary because then what does that stuff actually mean, right? I mean, even SQL itself can get really super really complicated. And then, anyways, I you know me, I'm starting to rant here. Uh, I'll shut up. You guys go. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think the declarative thing is huge. And oh, you brought up a few examples like um, you know X Y Z S code infrastructure, so on and so forth. And I think if you look at all of those examples, it is uh, sort of a technology breakthrough that um, sort of brings together two different groups. So I would say, if I think about Docker, for example, right, it's bringing together developers and people are running the infrastructure with a very clear sort of declarative way of what does that boundary look like? Uh, if we think about, you know, infrastructure automation, cloud formation, Terraform, et cetera, it's doing the same thing, but it's like, here's a different abstraction level for you to think about. Um, you know, SQL has done this for for some time, uh, and obviously that tremendously successful. Uh, and if I think about policy, uh, right again, the way we've been doing it from traditional database, sort of our back, you know, grants and, and so on, is not the right abstraction for probably anybody else, right? It's like the the abstraction for the implementer, like the DBA. Uh, so we got to go up level that. So you're you're reasoning about like, uh, you know, customer privacy level or like things like that, not, you know, here are the 50 columns that I need to go find and, and apply some specific syntax onto. Uh, I, I think that we're just trying to scratch the surface on policy, in my opinion. I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? Or, or, or am I just too young and naive on this and people have been... Well, I'll, I'll jump in real quick, and then I'm curious about Nong, your, your take on all of this is that, like, I feel like, well, first of all, I'm really excited that there's innovation happening in this area. Like, companies like Okara, I think that this is the right direction for us to be doing. Like, do we want all these tools and all these layers and all these interconnected lines? Like, no, but, like, but it's good that we're, like, creating this consolidated and consistent approach to all this. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But secondly, I'm excited about where this is all going. And I know some of this is already solved with some of the technology, but some of it isn't necessarily. Is that like, this is complicated stuff, right? I mean, you've got different, you know, different regulations in different countries and different contexts interpreted different ways. Then you've got your own policies within your own company that you're thinking about. And then you're thinking about like, okay, well, then I'm asking my consumers for consent since you've got consent. And then you've got different ways that you're using the data. So you've got use. And then, you know, like, and, and there's more dimensions to that. It's This is complicated. It's not simple. It's absolutely complicated. Uh, and, you know, we've, we've been at this for, we're getting close to, to six years now. Yeah, it, it's for sure, for sure complicated. I mean, what I would say here is in the early, uh, sort of early innings, uh, I think five, six years ago, and, and probably until even more recently, I would say the first problem we had to solve was, are there enough building blocks in all these tools so that you can implement policy without severe trade-offs, right? Severe trade-offs in performance, usability, so on and so forth. Um, and then, you know, now we're able to bring in more and more of those other challenges and, and be able to solve them better. I mean, what we get when we talk to people about this problem is, you guys have been thinking about this way longer than we have. You've worked with a bunch of customers that have implemented this successfully. Teach us, right? Help us uh, sort of 
get get started, right? What are the last four years of your earnings? I don't really want to learn that again. Just let, let's build on, on top of that. And I think we're, we're ready, right? So, you know, you're talking about, yeah, what does GDPR mean? Well, you know, we can say things now like, you know, for companies roughly your size and your vertical with data that we assume you have, here's a setup we've seen be really successful. Why don't you start there in terms of what rules you set up, what different roles and responsibilities, uh, and then you'll customize it some, but but this is how we think you should get started. And that, that's been very well received. So so to get started, and it kind of is probably my last question before we get into our, our, our lightning round, um, oh, the these policies across all types of companies that you've seen, and I mean, they're repeating the same policies, right? Can this be private, public, like the GDPR, mask emails, and blah, 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 right? There should be a library or catalog of all these policies that should be like, don't make me make these up right now. Can't I just download them somewhere and go then reuse them, extend them? Like, where is this list, this library, this catalog of policies? Because they, they, they exist. Somebody has it, right? Where, where are they? Let's make this accessible to people so we don't avoid waste so much time. You're, you're totally right. I don't know if it's a good idea for me to sort of share our year product roadmap on, on this. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, the kind of stuff we're thinking. But I, I would say your high-level point is is correct, right? There's not that many variations. Um, now, if you go into the details, it, it does. Oh, of course. I mean, the de- but, but I don't want to start. I don't want to start from scratch. It's not as varied as, as you think, right? Because if we think about, you know, companies want to be compliant. Well, there's a bunch of laws, but you know, they're somewhat similar, or they want best practices on using data responsibly and effectively. Yeah. So very much how we're thinking about it. And I think, I think now, okay. now people are ready. All right. That, that, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're kind of, we're here on the same page. I'm actually surprised. And I'm going to go research this. You see, I, I started out saying this doesn't seem that interesting, but I'm like now ready to go figure out where all these, there has to be out there, like a, even a business, a glossary of policy, just generic yeah. policy that you should have, right? Um, yeah. And I think what you said before about, you know, I have five tools or seven tools or, or so on. I see this trend across the industry. I think our customers and clients want blueprints. They want blueprints from all vendors, practitioners, so on, because uh, you know, we've made so much technology innovation in the last decade and sort of, I think it's on us as providers to, to help them learn from one another, right. In the form of blueprints and, and things like that. I see that trend just across the board. Yep. I think that's good advice in general, right? Yeah. As, as technology vendors, as we see patterns in process, can we turn those process patterns into technology, right? <laughs> yes. wow. I mean, that's why we have design patterns, right? The Gang of Four book, and and uh, let's not reinvent the wheel, right? Let's let's as, as a community, as industry, we should all work together in this stuff, right? Leads us now to our lightning round, which is uh, sponsored by Data World. So, I'll go first. Are data policy layers like Okera a key part of the federated computational governance in the whole data mesh space? Absolutely. I think we discuss centralized versus distributed. And I think whatever you do here, you need some balance here. And I think it's part of this, this stack. All right. Sounds like I, I kind of thought that those things might be associated. So it's, it's, it's interesting to hear you, you kind of confirm that. Uh, my question for you, question number two, are all data policies able to be automated? 
Are all policies able to be automated? Ooh, this is a good one. I think the, you have to have it so that the vast majority are and have very few exceptions. I think what we see too much is too little that is automated. So you have a ton of exceptions and manual things, and that gets you in trouble so fast. So 99.9%. Right. That's got to so be some role. exceptions, but but mostly automatable. Got it. That's a good one. Too much exceptions is going to get you in trouble. All right. Uh, prediction time. So will data policy enforcement merge into or absorb other governance use cases such as consent and privacy management? Yeah, I don't know if I think about it that way, but I think effective policy management and enforcement is the core building block for, for those kind of problems. So at least a very integrated approach. Yeah, I, I think if you are authoring privacy policies that are in pros only, to start. Definitely, mm. you can't stay there. <laughs> mm. yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, this whole thing's as code, right? It's not just about policies as code. It's what about your privacy as code and your your consent as code. Before. Oh, man, so much code. Love it. Um, <laughs> it's a good day to be a, a programmer, right? Um, last question for you. Do you need to define your business policies before you implement automated policy tooling? No. So I, I think we just weren't. So I, I think this whole S code thing is like, you know, let's let's learn some practices from engineering and, and so on. Waterfall is bad, right? So you need a mechanism that lets you uh, learn as you go um, and is designed for agility. Right? I think that's the lesson. Uh, certainly, you know, I think it's like a core engineering lesson, but but I think applies everywhere. So you got to be able to do that. I appreciate that answer. I, I think that uh, at Data.Our World, we have a very similar approach, like cataloging. Like, do you do you wait until you have all your other stuff in order before you implement a catalog? Well, then you're kind of diminishing the need for the catalog because the catalog is going to help you get everything out, right? Yeah. All right. Next segment, the Mesh Minute. I got a minute here. One minute. You have one minute to rant, pontificate about data mesh. Ready, set, go. Yeah, data mesh, a lot of really interesting ideas. And I think we've seen in industry probably every 10 years, the pendulum swing back and forth between centralized and decentralized. And I think this is sort of the most modern iteration of that. You know, the sweet spot changes as, as we go. And, and I think we've talked about that a, a little bit. I think some of the ideas of pushing the work to the people who know it best is essential for scalability and success, but there's real value in things that are centralized. Anybody think about this architecture? I would encourage you to think hard about those two. You can't have the wild, wild west and everybody making their own choices, but you also can't have bottlenecks built in by design. So I think a lot of the ideas are good. Implementation will, will vary and we're sorting it out. Nice. Even not that, uh, not even, so it was very concrete. Uh, I have to say, I was, ex I've been, since we've been doing this, I was expecting more people to kind of be more controversial, but everybody are like, yeah, this is the right thing. Yeah, we got to be careful about it, but it's like. It's good, it's good. Great. Yeah, no, no, it's good, it's good, it's good. I'm liking it. I mean, I, I'm with all, I mean, I think I've agreed with everybody who's presented this, uh, who's talked to this, so. Yeah, we're still waiting for somebody to be like, that data mesh thing. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> 
All right, we'll keep doing it. So somebody has to come and say that. I think we gotta you gotta find somebody who's really implemented it at scale to to tell you uh, what worked and what didn't work. That's true. Well, well, we have an upcoming guest. A lot of things look good in the design phase. Yeah, I think we have a we have an upcoming guest uh, in a couple of weeks. It is. Uh, Omar Kajwala from Roche, and he is going, he's kind of think one of the, the groups who's most advanced in doing this, and they presented before at the Data Mesh kind of summit and stuff like that. So really excited to get into the details with him. But all right, TDT, Tim, take us away with your takeaways. Go yeah, first. Do some, do some takeaways. So great conversation. Um, I, I think we've learned a ton about policy and its implications. Um, you mentioned that really what is policy? It's it's trying to get access to data more quickly and in a compliant way. Like how can we move quickly, safely? Uh, you use the analogy that seatbelts are for, for driving faster. Uh, Juan mentioned about brakes, kind of same analogy. Uh, you know, policy just being in, in people and process is going to slow you down. Technology is necessary for repeatability and to, and to accelerate. They accelerate what you can do as a business. Um, you we talked a little bit about, you know, who's appreciating policies and you'd mentioned that kind of larger organizations, um, you know, have somewhat of this solved, but they're trying to make that process faster, make it more repeatable, less people have to be involved in it, kind of lower costs and things like that. Smaller, mid-sized companies, maybe they're not as focused on policy, maybe they're less mature on policy, but there are also benefits for them to be able to get more, more streamlined and more predictable about that. So I think that's, uh, you know, good to think about where, where, you, where your company is in that. And, and so the problem you may be trying to solve around data, data policy technology might be a little different. Right policy is a, a business decision. Um, it's not, uh, there isn't just one perfect policy to rule them all. It's, it's what makes sense for your business. And you talked about some of the different types of policies, right? Whether, you know, it's ac data access policy, you know, we mentioned about data contracts, um, data access policy is kind of the, the one of the biggest ones, right, in terms of data policy. Um, and you talked about some examples, like simple might just be, you know, what data is publicly accessible versus private, intermediate, like how do we anonymize our data or mask certain types of data, more advanced to things like differential privacy. You know, if I have this attribute by itself, it's not a big deal. But now when I combine it with these multiple attributes, that becomes a problem. Or maybe, you know, we didn't get into it too much today, but I think like AI bias is also a very interesting topic. So um, I thought I thought that was super interesting. And um, yeah, Juan, what about you? What were your big takeaways? I got, I got several here. So one, I think there is still this open issue on how do you manage the policy across all these tools in the modern data stack, right? Which tool is actually responsible for them? How are they executed, right? Policy is cross-cutting. And I think this is one of the things that are getting highlighted with so many of these different tools. So that's number one. S second, I really like how you define the implementation. As you said, there's a separate of concerns, right? There's the people who know the policy and they need to be able to do their job without needing to know what is in the data, the technology. So you need to have that part. And then there's a technical side about the implementation, right? So that was a really important takeaway there. We've discussed already a lot about the centralization, decentralization, and it, everything needs to be done from code in the beginning. You want to go centralize a lot of these core policies that we know that it's just the stance of your company, how we're going to go do that. And then every decentralized kind of team domain, they can go ex use that extended if needed, which leads us to the things as code. And I think this is, this is going to, this is the big trend now, right? A declarative, we need to start thinking about things that are declarative, DBT, right? Transformation, SQL, like this is the first thing. Uh, um, 
we had to have this mindset of thinking from policy as pros to policy as code. And this is a technology innovation. I think there's so there's so more to be done. Uh, Imagine if we could represent all our policies in SQL. Is that actually possible? Probably not. And first of all, not all our data is always going to be relational, so it can't be in SQL. But I think there's a, there's open room for a lot of innovation. And I think this, the final point that we did made was um, we need blueprints for these policies because just there's a lot of stuff that is being done over and over again. There's just patterns that we see through all these processes. So let's go. Um, Let's go make them explicit and go, let's share them and people can go off and extend them. Nong, how did we do on our takeaways? Awesome. Those are great. I love All it. Right. Awesome. So Nong, back to you. Two questions. One, what's your advice about data, about life, whatever? And second is who should we invite next? <laughs> yeah, I think in terms of um, advice for, for data, and we alluded to some of this, is plan for change. We love all this policy as code, XYZ as code, because it gives you that repeatability when your environment changes for whatever reason. So you gotta go go do this. Think about the tasks you're doing. Imagine you're gonna do it again and again, a hundred times over the next five years, slight variation. So I think that that's the, the key to success for, for how to think about your data stack. Uh, in terms of who to invite, uh, I, think, I think you guys would enjoy talking to, to my buddy, Julian. Julian Widem. Uh, he, I met him when he was running data infrastructure at Twitter, and he's done a whole bunch of things related to lineage. And I think, you know, there's a group of us probably thinking about the centralized problems. You guys may be on cataloging uh, some policies. He spent some time on lineage, and I think we're all converging on sort of some sort of building blocks that would help the whole ecosystem. Great suggestion. Yeah, we, we uh, were very interested and have had some conversations with the folks over on the open lineage side and that sort of thing. So we appreciate it. Great connection. Yeah, great. Yeah, great I'm, I'm meeting him later today if you want me to, to nudge well, him. Well, that, done. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, say hi to him for us. I think uh, yeah. we've, we've had a couple of chats before, but not in the context of cataloging cocktails. So tell him it's his turn. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's been called out for it. Perfect. I mean, yeah, we saw him. I saw him a couple of weeks ago here in Austin, in, here in Austin for the Data Council. Um, all right. Well, this was a fantastic conversation. I think we had very concrete takeaways, like things actionable, things to go start, uh, things to start actually doing. And uh, before we wrap up and everything, just a reminder: if you're watching, watching, listening to us live tomorrow is our summit at data.world. Uh, just go to data.world and you can go see information about summit. And if you are listening to us on the podcast, that means that. If you just listen to it right when the podcast comes out, that means that the summit is going on right there. If you listen to it afterwards, you can go find the summit uh, and see all our videos. We have so many conversations all about data mesh, and we have about knowledge first and about open data and so forth. So that is. Uh, and then also other news, uh, we will uh, be live, uh, live cataloging cocktails at the Knowledge Graph Conference. Uh, at the beginning of May, I, I will be there uh, and we will be talking with Francois Scharf, who is uh, the, the chair of the Knowledge Graph Conference to kind of give an overview of Knowledge Graphs. And next week, we have Chad Sanderson from Convoy. If you're following him on LinkedIn, awesome guy who just writes so a lot of just great content. This about, is Catalog uh, and Cocktails. A special thanks to Data.World for supporting the show, Carly Berghoff for producing, John Moyens and Brian Jacob for the show music, and thank you to the entire Catalog and Cocktails fan base. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you, and thank you for having me. It was fun. All right.
right. And always Cheers. thanks to data.world for letting us do this every Wednesday. So much fun. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.